0: Celebrate Pride Month with TVO. Visit TVO.me slash Pride for documentaries, kid shows, and educational resources. Discover inspiring stories of love, friendship, and resilience. For more in-depth perspectives and interesting stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at TVO.org slash daily. What plays the bigger part in life, luck or skill? And how much control do we have, if any? Maria Konnikova took her PhD in psychology and her writing skills to the poker table to find out and won. Well, we all win since it's produced her new book, The Biggest Bluff, How I Learned to Pay Attention, Master Myself and Win. Maria Konnikova is also a contributing writer for The New Yorker magazine, and she's with us now on the line from Vermont. Hi, Maria. Hi,
1: thank you so much for having me today.
0: I'm so excited to chat with you. I loved the book. Um, I think I'm going to keep it on my bedside table. But uh, you went to an Ivy League school, have a successful career as a writer with The New Yorker. Where did a, the idea to take a year off come from to learn poker?
1: Originally, it had nothing to do with poker. And I didn't know that poker was going to be the route I was, I would eventually take. I became fascinated by the role that chance plays in our lives. And it was a personal fascination. A lot of things went wrong um, at around the same time. And about everything that you think can go wrong went wrong. I mean, my health just fell apart. My grandmother died. Multiple people in my family lost their jobs. Just all of these things within one month, one right after the other, they forced me to really take a step back and realize how big a role chance plays in a day-to-day life and that we can work hard and do our best and that will only get us so far. We also have to get lucky. Things also have to go our way and I wanted to write about that. I wanted to explore it. I wanted to figure out how do you learn to tell the difference? How do you learn to maximize the things that you can have agency over while not letting the things that are outside of your control drag you down? And that eventually brought me to poker as a way of exploring this.
0: Um, I think too uh, when we have success, we, when we have success in our lives, I don't know if we're really saying, "Why am I being so successful?" Oh, me! It's only when bad things happen. So, how? What role does the ego play when we are trying to decipher whether our success is due to luck or to hard work?
1: Huge, huge. I mean, our ego is just overwhelming, and it's so tempting to say when things go well, I'm a genius, I'm brilliant. Yep, I I knew that was gonna happen. And when things go poorly, we have so many excuses. Oh, you know what? No one could have predicted this and no one could have predicted that. It was out of my hands. All of a sudden, we're not such a big shot anymore, but it's all other things. If it were just up to us, we'd be totally successful. There's so many psych studies about this that show that if you ask people these questions, if you put them in these sorts of situations, they'll take credit for success and they'll blame other people, other things, other externalities for failure. Um, that's not true. That's not actually reality. I think that it's always a mixture of both. You know, we, you have to, you have to do well, but you also have to get lucky. And when things don't go your way, a lot of times it's your fault too. Yes, you got unlucky, but it's also your fault and you have to learn those lessons the hard way. Our ego blinds us. We don't want to hear that. We just
0: we just want to move on with life. So a lot of us, when we think of poker, uh, it's gambling, it's a game. Um, and you said that you had no experience playing card games. At one point, you didn't know how many cards are in a deck. I didn't either until I read your book. <laughs> but yet you decide to spend a year of your life learning to play and master poker. Why poker uh, specifically?
1: Well, I got the idea from one of the legends of the 20th century, John von Neumann, who was just this brilliant mind, total polymath, the father of the computer. So you and I would not be able to have this interview without him. Also the father of game theory, also one of the inventors of the hydrogen bomb. So lots of lots of things that uh, that this guy was responsible for, some better than others. But he was a poker player. And in his book, The Theory of Games and Economic Behavior, which is the foundational text of game theory, he writes that poker was actually the basis of game theory. And that the reason that he chose poker was that because to him, it embodied what strategic decision making was in life, because both poker and life are games of incomplete information. What that means is that There are things I know, there are things you know, there are things we know in common. And then what we have to do is make the best decision we possibly can based on limited information and information that will never be complete. So we have to make decisions in an uncertain environment and we need to know that it's always going to be probabilistic. There's no such thing as certainty. There's no such thing as 100 percent That's life, that's poker. And to me, when I read that, I thought, wow, this is really interesting. Maybe poker is a way into a lot of the themes that I wanna talk about. And there was one more thing he wrote. He said, real life consists of bluffing, of little tactics of deception, of trying to figure out what does this man think I mean to do? And that's what games are about in my theory. And as a psychologist, that really appealed to me. I thought, yes, exactly, for a mathematician, to realize that you need psychology, you need the human element, that it can't all be reduced down to numbers. To me, that was groundbreaking, and that made me want to learn more about poker.
0: Chess, I think, is a board game that everybody uh, holds to a certain... Um, uh, people talk about chess. If you can play chess, you're a genius, you're fantastic and all that. How is um, how is poker different from other uh, games that we play in casinos or even something like chess? So... Von Neumann, like me, did not like chess. I'm so glad that he and I shared that (laughs) because
1: that, that makes me feel slightly better. And he found chess boring. And the reason he found chess boring was because it's a game of perfect information. There's a board, you see all the pieces, you see all the permutations, and theoretically with enough computing power, there's always a right move. So there's always something that you can do. And it's a game that's solvable and indeed that's been solved. Poker and life are not like that. Those are games of incomplete information. So imagine a chessboard, but now you can't see what pieces are there and all of a sudden something you thought was the queen, voila, it's revealed to be a bishop or something else. That's life. Life is based on uncertainties, on probabilities, on strategy that is not coming from this perfectly laid out board. There is no solution in poker, no limit hold'em. them still has not been solved. Now, on the other side, you have games like Roulette, the other games in a casino, and that's at the other end of the extreme. So those are games that are just absolute chance. There's no skill involved. And that is also boring, according to von Neumann, because you can't do anything. The outcome is going to be what it's going to be. And that's also not life. Um, But that is much more gambling and poker's in the middle and poker is a game of skill and it's not gambling. And I spent many, many days and hours and weeks trying to figure out how do I explain in one sentence why poker is a skill game? Because so many people ask me that. And I think it comes down to the fact that in poker, you can win With the worst hand and you can lose with the best hand and that's not possible in any other game in a casino
0: well i think for me as a parent i've been teaching my i've been trying to teach my kids chess since they were very little but you've actually said that you think that poker should be taught to kids in grade one why Um, I have said
1: that and I believe very strongly in it because I think that poker teaches you skills that are absolutely essential for thriving as an adult, for being a good thinker, for being a critical thinker. And by the way, I think kids should learn chess too. Why not learn both? That's great. I never learned chess. All I know is how the pieces move. And so I think that chess can teach you something interesting as well. But what poker teaches you is strategy on a different level it teaches you to be comfortable with uncertainty with not knowing it teaches you about probabilities because you learn what different probabilities are like you actually learn the types of things that are so hard for the human brain to learn otherwise because you're doing them you're experiencing you're learning the way that we learn best through doing and you're actually figuring out you know what does it feel like to be a 2% favorite to be a 70% favorite. Oh, I can be a huge favorite and still lose. That happens, and that doesn't mean I made the wrong decision. Fascinating. Poker teaches you emotional control and self-regulation, which is something that we've seen that if you learn as a little kid, can actually help you thrive throughout your adult life because you have to learn how do I not take this personally? How do I get past my losses? How do I actually learn to control my emotions and to still think rationally, even though I might be upset? Poker teaches you to read other people, which in a poker context will help you beat them. But in a real life, context can help you be much more empathetic, a better listener, someone who actually pays attention to the signs that other people are giving off, both verbal and nonverbal, which I think would be huge. I mean, imagine how much better society would be if we actually listened to each other and listened to the subtext of what people were saying. Oh, wow, she's uncomfortable. Oh, wow. You know, he's feeling very angry for some reason. Those types of skills, I think, will get you incredibly far and will make you into just a better human being. And you learn that all at the poker table.
0: Well, in what ways does poker mimic real life?
1: Well, I think that most importantly is something that I've already touched on, which is that it is a game of imperfect information. So in real life, whenever you make a decision, we always want to know more. But we can never know everything because we don't know what other people are thinking. We don't know what other people know. All we know is what they're projecting, what they're telling us, what they're showing us. But there's so much else that's involved and we aren't privy to it. We need to learn to be comfortable with that and to try to make the best decision possible, knowing that we don't know everything. And we also need to try to calibrate just how certain we are of of different elements of our decision process, which we're not used to doing. I mean, so many people just say, oh, yeah, you know, definitely this is this is the way to go. Well, in poker, you're actually forced to bet. And so you actually have to put money on these sorts of decisions. And so all of a sudden, you have to ask yourself, wait, how certain am I? You know, am I 10% certain? Am I 30% certain? Am I 50% certain? Those are all very different levels of certainty. And by the way, I'm not the first person to say that. Um, Emmanuel Kant, way back when, who was also a gambler, um, and wanted to be a professional gambler at one point in his life, he writes very eloquently about how important it is to actually put kind of a monetary value on your opinions, on your certainty, because then you actually are forced to question how right you are, how good your information is, how good your thought process was and ask yourself, okay, you know, am I willing to bet $10 on this? A hundred, a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand, my marriage, my life. And all of a sudden, I think people become much more humble. Because you you have something to lose, right? You have something to lose.
0: Exactly. Um, One of the aha moments that I had reading this book is that you write that probability has amnesia. What did you mean by that?
1: (laughs) I meant that we have this very, very, simplistic view of what probability is supposed to look like so let me take the simplest example which is a coin toss we know that a coin has heads and tails so 50 percent of the time it lands heads and 50 percent tails so if you flip it twice and it lands on heads both times that's not so surprising but if you flip it 10 times and it lands on heads every single time you think whoa whoa this is wrong it's supposed to be landing on tails too well the coin doesn't know That you're sitting there and you're waiting for it to land on tails because it's already landed on heads. It doesn't know that it's 50-50. And yes, over time, if we flip it a million times, it's going to be closer to 50-50. But 10 times in a row? Sure. That can be all heads or all tails. And it's so funny because to us something like that looks unnatural we say oh this is rigged this isn't normal well real probability actually looks normal and what is usually rigged is when it looks the way that we think it's going to look something i learned when uh, researching the biggest bluff I talked to a man who actually designs games, and he taught me that in a lot of games, the random number generators, the probability distributions are rigged to look more random to the average human. Because when they had it be truly random, people complained and said, this game is horrible, this game is rigged, you can never win here, I can't believe I'm losing 20 times in a row. So they realized, wow, human brains don't like what probability actually looks like the fact that it has amnesia and that every single outcome is totally independent so let's make it resemble what people's intuition is like a little bit more and if they're losing let me let's get them a win you know let's let's actually jigger things a little bit so that the numbers look like their perceptions of what probability should look like now poker doesn't do that poker doesn't pander to you poker actually forces you to confront the fact that probability does have amnesia and that you might be on a losing streak for a very long time or on a winning streak although everyone seems to be okay with being on a winning streak, all of a sudden then that looks just
0: I deserve. I deserve. I worked hard. Um, We are running out of time, and I wish we had more time to talk, but I I have a a bunch of questions to get in. Um, I'm going to skip ahead. And um, in the book, you write about someone, and you call them generously, I think, um, uh, aggressive idiot. Can you tell us the story of aggressive idiot?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I... I called him uh, a little bit more than that but but we will call him for the audience aggressive idiot so just by way of background poker is 98 percent male just imagine that for a second you are as a woman you can go days and days and days not playing with any men and it turns out that oftentimes men don't like playing with women. And so I started off playing online because that's the way that you can really get a lot of experience very quickly. And I wanted to mimic what it would be like for me in real life. So I chose a screen name that made it obvious that I was female and my avatar, which is you know the little face that appears whenever anyone plays with me was a little puppy. So I tried to make myself, you know, as as cute and female as I possibly could. And we know that actually online there's a lot of data to support this men will bluff more against women. And so I had played with people before and online, you can actually tag people and label them. And I would played with this person before, and he was very nasty to me, and was very aggressive and would always bully me. And so I labeled him as an aggressive idiot, because he was aggressive against me and he was idiotically so it was just over the top. And so this was my breakthrough moment when I was playing with him. And I realized, wow, you're going to underestimate me and you're going to be aggressive no matter what. So why why don't I wait until I actually have a strong hand and let you give me all of my money? And that's exactly what I did. I let him bluff at me and bluff at me and I would fold and I didn't take it personally. I would say, okay, you know, it's fine. I'm not in a position to fight back. Then finally I had a very strong hand and I knocked him out of the tournament and I went on to win my first ever online poker tournament. And then I thank aggressive idiot in the book for, uh, giving me that opportunity
0: well what I find so interesting about this book is that you're uh, look at yourself really from a critical point of view um, and as you're learning you realize that you have a lot to overcome to overcome internally what did you discover about yourself in terms of your struggle to play more aggressively yeah that's I mean it's something that I'm still that I'm still dealing with um,
1: I started off not realizing just how much i'd internalized a lot of the roles a lot of the stereotypes that society puts on you as a female i'd always thought of myself as a pretty strong woman you know i've had career success um, i've done well and i thought i could stand up for myself and what i discovered at the poker table was that that was absolutely not true that i had learned to act in certain ways to minimize tension because I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to think well of me. And in order to do that, I wanted to not get in their way and to avoid aggression, to avoid conflict. And so I found myself at the poker table doing just that. I found myself folding when people were bullying me around saying, okay, okay, you know, you can take it. I don't need it that much. You just take it because I didn't want them. to, you know, I didn't want that conflict at the table. When I had very strong hands, I wouldn't raise as aggressively. I would make less money even with my good cards because I wouldn't want them to say, oh, I hate her. You know, that's that nasty Maria girl who always raises me. I didn't want that either. And it was very hard for me to be aggressive because whenever I was aggressive, people would say not nice things to me Mm -hmm. and would make me feel Like I didn't really belong there. And I and I totally felt like an imposter as well. And so this made me it was not a pleasant realization. And I was losing a lot of money. And it made me confront the fact that, wow, you know, I actually have internalized a lot of these social stereotypes and these norms of behavior. And I don't like myself for it that's not who I want to be. And so I had to work hard to try to overcome that and to try to figure out, okay, you know, you underestimate me, how do I not let you bully me? How do I use that against you? How do I actually turn it on its head so that I can, so that I can win? And, and d- when I did that,
0: sorry, and, and you do win. Um, and not to be rude by talking about money, but what was the biggest part today that you've won? So
1: I play tournament poker. Um, and so it's, uh, it's not, a cash game where there are these huge pots because chips have no cash value. The biggest tournament I ever won, um, with all of the, with the, with the total prizes and everything was, um, a little over a hundred thousand dollars. I think the actual cash prize was 80 something thousand, maybe 85. Um, and then there was also a $30,000, um, Pass attached to it, which let me play in the biggest buy-in event I've ever played in in my life—a twenty-five thousand-dollar tournament, which is crazy to me because um, my first salary out of college as a writer was twenty-three thousand dollars. So the entry to this one tournament was more than my first annual salary.
0: Well, I mean, the great thing about this book is that um, you learn so much about the game, but the game itself teaches you skills that maybe um, could have come in handy earlier on in life. Looking back in that process, that year process, what would you say was the best lesson, maybe the most helpful lesson that you wish you could have learned earlier?
1: Oh, there are so many of them. But I think that the one that is the most important in how you make decisions is to learn to focus on the process, on the things that you can control and to let go of the outcome because the outcome is just chance. You can't control that. How do I put myself in a position to win? How do I put myself in a position to get lucky? And I do that by focusing on my decisions, on my emotions, on my actions, on my reactions. I don't do that by dwelling on the things that went wrong or by taking credit for the things that went right that had nothing to do with me. And learning that difference and learning to not judge myself based on the outcome, but based on the process, I think is very important. And also to learn that about other people. I think it makes you much less judgmental of others once you realize that, you know what? People did not necessarily make bad decisions if they are in a bad place and had bad outcomes. They might've made just as good a decision as you. You got lucky, they didn't. It's something that's just so important to remember all the time. And I think that playing poker has actually made me just much more grateful um, and much more cognizant of the role that chance plays in everyone's life. Um, And it's made me really want to make sure that when I'm lucky that I pay that forward, that I actually use those opportunities to try to give some of that luck to as many people as I possibly can.
0: We have about 30 seconds, but uh, did your Baba Anya eventually come around to you playing poker?
1: Um, you know what? I, I hope so. Um, I had a chance to see her uh, very briefly right before all the lockdowns started for her 95th birthday in March. Um, sorry, in February, and then and then March we were locked down. And she, for the first time, said, "You know, I think that poker has taught you a lot and has opened up lots of doors for you." And so I think that she finally might have gotten it, and that makes me very happy.
0: Maria, thank you so much for your time. Terrific book. Congratulations.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure.
0: The Agenda with Steve Pakin is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario. CPA Ontario is a regulator, an educator, a thought leader, and an advocate. We protect the public. We advance our profession. We guide our CPAs. We are CPA Ontario. And by viewers like you. Thank you.